Hello, Phil Croshaw here from Passions, and in this episode, we welcome Russell Hayes to the show. Hello and a very warm welcome to this episode of Passions and today I'm delighted to be joined by Russell Hayes and rather than me do a hodgepodge version of Russell and his background I'm going to I'm going to welcome Russell and ask Russell to tell you who he is and what he does. Hi Russell, thanks for joining me. Hi Phil, thanks for having me on. Well, I am uh, currently uh, a motoring author. I write books about motoring history and my passion has always been cars and that developed into motoring history and that developed into into writing about them and um, now fortunately I'm able to be a full-time motoring author. I, uh, I don't quite know where the um, where the cars thing came from but if I look back at photographs of when I was very very small I'm sitting on my grandma's lap with a matchbox car in my hand so something started very very early on. Um, and I used to, always used to like, um, you know, uh, joining in with my dad, maintaining his car and washing his cars and going and choosing the next car. We never had a new car, we were a second-hand car. And, um, and then I went to university, uh, trying to work out what I wanted to do. Uh, and I started writing a little bit about cars for like, um, owners' clubs, magazines. Um, and then I wrote for the student newspaper and I really discovered that I, I really enjoyed the, the act of writing and telling a story. Um, and I was really fortunate to be able to um, join a, a company called Haymarket Publishing, which publishes most of the motoring magazines in, in Britain um, in the late 1980s as a graduate. And they put me around different magazines, including Campaign, the advertising magazine. And I uh, learnt my craft from there, but they they said, where would you like to go? And I said, well, I'd like to go to Watcar. So I started uh, my uh, uh, writing career at Watcar. And I also did some work in the archives there. Uh, they had a huge filing basement full of um, car pictures which needed filing and nobody knew which cars were which. So uh, I spent a fantastic summer holiday just rifling through all these, uh, these old car pictures and trying to sort them out. So that's how I got started. Uh, and then I did um, uh, uh, about 11 years in, in, in motoring journalism generally, uh, writing for car magazines. At one point I edited a magazine about vans um, and um, the most exciting thing was I managed to talk myself into working on Top Gear, uh, which was at that time a little half hour magazine show made in Birmingham and uh, Jeremy Clarkson was just making his impact then. Um, and I started as a researcher and I ended up doing some directing and writing scripts and, and putting together items for it. Uh, so that was a fantastic time, uh, about three years I did that for. Then came back down to London and worked for a Channel 4 programme called Driven, uh, which was their car, ma car magazine programme. Then went to work for their website. And then I had a, a change of direction um, and I think this reflecting on this, this was this was the way I truly identified what my passion was and what I really, really wanted to do. 
Um, I got made redundant from um, the website. I had about three redundancies. You know what publishing is like. Um, yeah. I um, I thought you know, it was a hard time. I wasn't making much money, um, and um, the most exciting thing I was doing was going out and a cup of coffee. So I decided to change direction. I wanted to prove to myself that I could do something other than cars. So I applied to join the government civil service press office group. Had to do lots of tests, lots of assessment days, and I ended up being a, a, a press officer for the um, Crown Prosecution Service. Uh, and then um, I didn't intend to do it for very long, but I ended up staying in various places, such as the Attorney General's office and the press office for the judges for 16 years. Um, but all the time in the background, the cars were still there. It was always still the, the interest hadn't gone away. And um, I got asked in, I think, 2004 to write a book about Lotus cars um, by an ex-colleague who was looking for new authors. And it was for Haynes, you know, the, the publishing company. Yes. That, uh, did the car magazine. They used to do um, uh, motoring history books at that time. So they, were, they had a... Uh, a, a need for authors so I, I did that first book and I absolutely loved it it was uh, that was all in my spare time evenings weekends um, well what was it about the what was it about that process then that that you think that you really enjoyed because it it can be um, quite a my words not necessarily, not necessarily yours but almost a labor of love with books can't it it can be take quite some time to pull it all together and quite a lot of patience um, what was it you enjoyed most about that process? I think what I what I enjoyed and what I still do enjoy is is, is bringing all the pieces together. Is the search, is the, um, the the getting your structure right, seeing how it's going to flow. Um, I mean, fortunately, with 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 motoring history, you normally have a kind of narrative which runs through time, so you you, you have a framework to start off with, um, but. Um, but then you, you do look at what's already on the market. Um, you see what other books have been written, what you could add. Um, what I always try to do original research, what archives I can go to, what papers I can look at, which might bring something new. Um, and, um, and also what pictures I'll need. That's, that's you know, 50% of the work for uh, one of my books is, is sourcing the images. And often people would buy a, a motoring book just on the images. So going to archives, um, just spending you know entire days without surfacing for light or food or air, um, rifling through um, files just to see that that rare image that hasn't been seen somewhere else. So uh, that's that's a huge part of it. And you have to do that in tandem with the writing, and of course you're on a deadline, so you you have to know where you want to be at a certain point. Um, so it's it, I, I love the sort of bringing together of all the elements um, and seeing seeing what I learned along the way. So, so is it fair to say then that um, it's very handy to have a real serious deep passion for the subject with all that's involved? I, I suppose what I'm asking you is if you'd have, if you were going to do that, write a book about submarines, for example, would you have the same? dedication required to do that or was it the fact that it was cars and I mean, obviously you can tell me a second what what books you've written but uh, was was that a key part of keeping going the motivation if you like to keep going 
I think it is. Yeah. I mean, I I, I realised that it was a, it was a passion when you were doing something you love, and the boundary between work and pleasure has has blurred. Yeah. So it it, it, it was never a problem getting up at six o'clock six o'clock six o'clock in the morning to to do a couple of hours writing before I went to my day job, uh, or, or coming home in the evening and, and, and working till ten, and working at weekends and holidays. Um, so. You know, that, that, that's how I realised it was a it was a true love. But I I think if I did another subject, I would enjoy the challenge, um, but I'd feel less confident um, because I have this background and you know these I just absorb information about cars as I go along. I, I, I'm always got my head in a car magazine or a car program of some kind. Um, and my dad was was a pivotal point in that when I was about nine i think he uh, he said well you shouldn't be reading comics anymore and he thrust a copy of uh thoroughbred and classic cars magazine into my hand and that was it i was off on classic cars you were um, hooked <laughs> yeah so i do you know i i do have the confidence of that sort of background knowledge and to know know what's there and if it's gone to the back of my head i can bring it forward and think okay i remember i i, I had something to do with that 10 years ago and you have your own you develop your own back catalogue so it's interesting. So, so how many books have you produced to date then? And, and just give us a flavour of uh, the sorts of books you've been producing, you've been writing. Um, seven to date. Um, and I'm working on two simultaneously at the moment. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to say that most of the, most of the be, have been commissioned from publishers, um, but some of them have been my ideas where, where I, I thought there was a gap in the market and or thought there was something that would sell. And I and I pitched it to publishers. So, I mean, I mean, quickly in order, it's been quite an eclectic selection, which is what I've what I've really liked. I really like hopping from subject to subject, hopping from a a really expensive sports car to something everybody owned. Um, so I did a history of history of um, Lotus, a history of T TBR, and then a history of the Ford Cortina, which I absolutely loved. Uh, and uh, then I did a history of the Volkswagen Golf. Um, which is um, I've just updated is going to be reprinted and then um, one project which was a particular passion of mine was a history of the Earl's Court Motor Show um, because it, it that building and you know that iconic building in London was just about to be knocked down nobody was really recording it and I I, I thought I'd get in there while there was a chance to record um, you know something that was just about to pass and I got access to the archives of the construction of the building and the various shows that were put on there and that was the first time those pictures had ever been seen in a book so i was, I was really quite proud of that book so, so do you get I, attracted do you get attracted then to more of the classic more of the history that's that's the impression i get it's more about yeah. the history of these things as opposed to the very latest lamborghini uh, or yeah. is it a mixture it's more towards the history it's more towards um recording recording what's past and what may be being forgotten in sort of collective memory and also kind of social history what what those cars represented to different people at different times in different countries and how we thought about cars at a certain point and how things moved on how designs moved on yeah i i, I do tend towards the, the history side of things and you've, and you've seen you've obviously seen was we've all seen some huge 
developments and changes in publishing in particular and media, I guess, over the last crikey over the last 10 years never mind over the last 20 20 or 30 years have you um have you had to adapt to a point to be able to make the most of or take advantage of the way that media and publishing has changed it, that's an interesting question because there was a point where you know they were they thought that motoring history books would really be dying out um with electronic publishing um but they are primarily picture driven and um, and, and the, the publishers of, of, of history books have found out that uh, people actually like to hold something in their hands. They still like to have a, a, a picture book which they can put on the coffee table and, and, and sit and enjoy as, as an object. Um, so that's been that's been quite fortunate. I've, I've not had to go to electronic publishing yet. Um, but you know that's something I'm, I'm, I'm certainly open for. Um, and in terms of technology, um, a lot of photographic archives have digitalised their um, their pictures now. So it, it's been very lucky in, in this lockdown. I haven't been able to go to any physical archives, but I've been able to do massive amount of online research um, for the uh, the photography that I'm using in my latest books, um, and they'll let you you know. You can download a reference shot and then when it comes to the final publication um, all the bills are, are paid and totted up and the copyrights are cleared so that's helped that's helped in a great way brilliant um okay so have you got um have you got any other books you say you've got a couple more projects uh, do you think you'll be you'll keep writing books now is it just part of your dna shall we say well i really hope so i really hope so but you know you're always you're always as good as your last book <laughs> so you have to make every you have to make everyone as good as it can be so that you so that you keep going um so unfortunately i've got a, an american publisher at the moment i'm on the second book for them and a, and a, and a british publisher who I'm, I'm doing a book for on aston martins um so hopefully that'll, that'll lead on to other things but you know your back catalog it becomes very important as to you know your references that's interesting actually it's a good it's an interesting point you make about um, the global interest in the cars and the history of the cars. Um, are there particular countries that are really quite interested and passionate about the history of classic cars and classic cars in general? Particularly, I'm thinking, you know, maybe the Americans' interest in in British cars, for example, or, or vice versa. I guess it's a very global thing, is it? Oh yeah, it goes both ways, and there's certainly you know American um, readers I think are quite interested in British cars because you know there was a fascination with British cars in the 1950s there, the old MVs that that really made their mark, um, and um, and likewise for uh, for British readers. I've just had a book come out on the Volkswagen Beetle and the camper van, um, and of course that was such a they were such global cars that. The Beetle was almost more of a hit in America than it was in Germany, um, and um, it had this other life in in Mexico where it was being produced. So um, there is there is this interchange of of interest in, in other countries. And I'm trying to write for an American audience, um, but at the same time, um, bringing stuff back from America, American cars, uh, which British viewers might not have. Um, being familiar with to um, to interest them, 
And you've got other things like uh, you know, the Japanese market, very interested in things like minis um, for a long time. So um, yeah, there are these little pockets of very specialized interest all across the world. And which countries would you say are, are have been most successful in in the in the uh, car world? I mean, obviously the UK's got quite a history, and America's quite well known. Are there any countries that have been maybe quite successful in the in the car world that people might not be generally aware of? That's interesting. I mean, I think um, obviously, you know, Japan and Germany are two prime examples, but perhaps South Korea, if you consider their, um, their, the growth of their car industry and the sophistication of the products from people like Hyundai um, is phenomenal now. Um, and they built that industry from scratch from just the late 1960s. Hyundai started by assembling Ford Cortinas. Um, so, um, they came from very humble beginnings and um, built this huge, sophisticated car industry, um, you know, adapting very quickly to the market so improving their cars constantly. So I think, yeah, I think South Korea is, is, deserves its reputation as a very big global player now. Brilliant. Okay, so um, just moving on now, just to something you talked about a minute ago or a few minutes ago, and you were talking about um, whilst you were you were working in a full-time job and you were writing the books and producing things on the side. Um, one of the things that's coming up a lot when we talk to people about passions and as part of this research and, and investigation project is the opportunity that people don't always realize in the internet age to be able to do a day job, but also then do a side hustle at the same time. Uh, and that can be a side hustle as a money-making thing. You know, it could be anything from, if you're particularly into, I don't know, babies, you might sell baby clothes, for example, um, and on everything in between. Is that something that you're familiar with, uh, you know, in terms of that side hustle? Have you ever actually been able to monetize things that you've done on the side? Or was it all very much about a hobby? I always got paid for the books, I'm glad to say. So, um, so you know, there, there was, you know, there was, there was a gain from it. I mean, a lot of people do, especially in the sort of motoring history books, they do write them for the love of them. But I'm, I'm able to write them both for the love of them and fortunately get, get paid um, for it. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, there's other things I've done. I mean, for example, the um, when Haynes decided they weren't going to publish motoring history books anymore, they offered all the authors their their back supply of, of stuff they'd already printed, and I couldn't face the idea of my books being sent to a pulp or a discount bookseller. So, <laughs> so I ended up with a, a storage unit um, with, uh, with hundreds and hundreds of boxes of my own books um, for for quite a few years. So. Uh, which I, I, I sold at, at um, uh, classic car shows. I sat behind a trestle table for hours on end for a number of years. And I also opened up an Amazon shop. I mean, that's something I can recommend. That's quite easy to do if you want to um, sell on Amazon and also you can, you can sell on eBay as well. So yeah, the, 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 you're right. The, the, there are these facilities for, you know, making it and uh, making a little something along the side, certainly. 
Yeah, and then, of course, I suppose, depending upon what you're doing, there's always that possibility that you can slowly but surely shift away from the day job and the side hustle becomes more and more the main part of the way that yeah. one earns, earns the living. And that obviously yeah. depends on what you're doing and how you're doing it. But I think the message is, and, and, and this is something that's coming up a lot in these interviews and, and from my own experiences, in a sense, is get started, really. You know, um, don't try and assume that, you know, you, you're going to be, I don't know, Richard Branson a week on Tuesday, yeah. but yeah. just get started. And especially if it's a passion, then you'll just enjoy it anyway. I mean, with writing, with writing now, um, if you if you think you want to write, you can. You know, you can you can publish yourself. You can publish your own blogs. You can you can put stuff out there without needing a publisher, um, which is the beauty of, of, of the you know current times we're living in. And you can get feedback, so you 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 can put things out there without spending money. You can set up your own blog. You can um, you know do a little bit of um, self publishing um via via amazon um and you can get an idea without you know without expending too much money yourself all you need is your time so that's one of the great advantages of, of the um of the internet age um at the moment um but um yeah you, you i mean i i found that you know the day job paid you know paid very well it was hard work it was quite stressful extremely stressful at times <laughs> when you called in the middle and you were called in the middle of the night in the in the night by a newspaper story um but there came a point where i was offered two books at the same time and i thought well something's something's going to have to give and, and it was the day job so that that point can come um but it can take a long time together you know i i, I did that for 16 years before i uh, i felt i could go go full time and i had a sort of foundation behind behind me so i would say use the day job as the as the foundation and to build up your reserves um keep plugging away in your spare time with, uh, with your passion um and then you'll know when the moment is right to to give it a go to to swim out swim out with it swim out to sea i think that i think that's great advice and great inspiration so who knows somebody right now might be listening to this or watching this and uh, they might go out and do exactly that and it could take the, their life in a in a completely different direction which is always which is always good isn't it if it's uh, if especially if you're not overly happy in your work um do you you know sometimes when when i think about passions and i've talked about people about passions it's almost like one gets um I think I'd describe it as almost like a childlike excitement still from being involved in or being around the, the, the things that you're passionate about. Is that something that you can relate to? Do you still get a little bit of a, a childlike excitement if you, if you get near one of these amazing cars that you, uh, that, that you obviously write about and love so much? Yeah. Yeah. I've, can get I can get quite absorbed and certainly um, if I'm working on some a particular subject and getting very into it I find myself dreaming about it I um, I think it's always a good it's always a good sign that you're completely into something when you when your cup of tea goes cold next to you or you actually forget you haven't had any lunch you know you know you're really enjoying what you're doing when that okay well I've got to ask you um, put you on the spot top three cars 
best cars ever made from oh. your personal perspective? And I know I've thrown you right in the deep end with that one. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a big old list. <laughs> so see, see if you can just come up. What would come to mind? It doesn't have to be the top three, but two, three yeah. cars that wow factor. Wow factor cars in your, in your well, perspective. Well, wow factor, um, an original Lotus Esprit um, from the, from the mid-1970s. The first James Bond film I saw was A Spy Love Me. White Lotus Esprit, the submarine car. Yeah, that was it. So, um, and it, that was just a beautiful design. It was an Italian designed car. Um, I still think it looks sensational. So, Lotus Esprit, that's in my garage. Kind uh, of 1960s Ford Mustang because of that sort of slice of American, you know, optimism and um, excitement it represented. Uh, and I think an original Mini, the original Mini, um, which was my first car. So, um, because it's such a, an influential design and um, such an important car. So it's my top three, I think. Brilliant. Quite an eclectic mix, which is good. I think that, that whole yeah. variety yeah. thing again going there. Yeah. Okay. Sports, so, sports cars, no. Sorry, say again. I'm not all sports cars by any means. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Well, I suppose that that just goes to show you that that passion is is wide and varied. Okay, so uh, how can people um, get hold of your books? Is it is it the A word again? You know, Amazon. Um, how can people find out more about you and get access to your books? Um, yes, it is it is the A word, but um, the um, they're they're available from lots of other online retailers as well, as such as Waterstones, for example. Um, and um, uh, my latest book is is is, is quite widely widely sold across lots of different um, internet retailers. Um, sadly, it's, it's they're very not very often in bookshops. Um, now and again, they they're physically stocked, but but largely uh, book sales are, of my kind of book are on the internet. Yeah, well, that, I guess that that makes sense. I'm still, to be honest, as a slight aside, I'm still quite amazed actually that companies like Waterstones, they, they do st seem to survive. I'm never quite sure how, um, but they, there's obviously enough of an interest, I guess, and, uh, for, for, for physical books. But I know that a few people I know have said that they, they actually enjoy a physical book even more now, perhaps perhaps maybe slightly more senior in years, but they it's almost like they go back, it takes them back to a time when they got excited about going getting a physical book. I think that... Um... I think I heard that second-hand books are really doing well. That charity shops yeah. actually do really good trade second-hand books because actually people like something to take on the beach. Um, the, that they it doesn't matter if they drop it in the in the water or get sand on it, um, and they can recycle it at the end. So it's nice to see there's this sort of this churn of interest in, in older books, which is going on certainly in novels. I certainly think uh, I certainly think remember back to my days when I was a youngster and I used to go and get a new album, a new uh, physical album, uh, you know, LP, I think we called them back in the day, didn't we? And yeah. uh, the excitement around going to get an LP was uh, I just mm -hmm. think the young youngsters really miss out on that. I'm yeah. sounding really old now, aren't I? Yeah, no, yeah. Vinyl's <laughs> making a comeback, I understand. <laughs> I think it's probably the nostalgia, actually. I suspect yeah. it's a, a lot of it's in that nostalgia. And I think passions and nostalgia connect, connect really, really well. 
Uh, okay, well, thanks very much for joining me today, Russell. That's really, really interesting stuff. And uh, obviously, all the very best with your books. I know, actually, because when I was looking, I know you've actually got a page on Amazon, haven't you? Your own page on Amazon, have, yeah. author page on Amazon. Yeah. So um, that's fantastic. Thanks for your time, because I'm very appreciative of people's time, because I know it's valuable and I know it's precious. And um, thanks very much for joining me. And I'm sure I'll catch you again soon on Passions. Thank you. Many thanks. Thank you.